0: Hey, everybody. Sean Sewell, Gamer.com podcast. Very excited to have my good friend, Pat Flynn, on for the fourth time. Welcome back, Pat.
1: Fourth. Wow. I I figured third. But no, that's really cool, Sean. It means a lot. Uh, Seriously. I I
0: appreciate you very much. It's it's cool you take the time to talk to my my listeners and viewers. And um, Pat and Sam and Alex just did this Bells and Beer this weekend. And I'm actually watching the replay video right now. And it's super helpful. And it's so fun and interactive. What got cool. you the idea cool. No, I'm, to, I'm happy yes. to hear that.
1: Yeah, so bells and beer sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? Well, it was <laughs> a tradition at our gym for many years, and it was a way just to bring community together. And for people who followed me online, they would they would fly out. We'd get people from all over. It was really yeah. cool. And we would we would workshop kettlebells, just the basics. It's just a basic introductory workshop, and then we would just hang out afterwards. You know, beer if you wanted beer, but certainly iced tea is a viable option as well, mm-hmm. or sparkling water. Um, And it was a great, it was a great tradition. We loved doing it. And we would usually um, host about, sometimes we do two a year, but we always did one around this time in the spring. And obviously with the coronavirus, um, that just was not a possibility. So uh, me, Sam and Alex decided, well, let's, let's see if we can bring it online. And we tossed the idea, idea out to, to my audience. And there seemed to be a lot of interest and there was and like i said it was a little nervous at first cuz i'm like how how is this going to work and we decided to use zoom but it actually worked out really well it was super cool so i have like the whatever the the juicy premium zoom account so you can host a <laughs> a whole lot of people and it was really neat because i didn't as you as you'll see i i didn't figure this out until 15 or maybe even 30 minutes into the workshop that i could put on the the view where you see everybody else oh and yeah. that was yeah cuz i had it just the speaker view before but once I figured that out, it was awesome because then we could, in just real in real time, just swipe through the screen and just look at people's technique and offer feedback. and it I think it I think it turned out really well. And um, all the feedback I've received so far has been very positive, people asking for another workshop. So, given the situation, um, yeah, feel feel very fortunate It seems to have been a good thing.
0: That is so cool to hear. I mean, and you're right, given this, the current situation we're all in and, you know, we're all trying our best to serve our, our people, right? I, I tell you, Zoom has been super helpful for one-on-ones for the people I work with. And fortunately, a lot of people own a few kettlebells or, or TRX or something to work with at home or even their body weight. But to do a group like you guys did mm-hmm. and engaging with three different presenters and not in the same state even, like all over the place, that's yes, our
1: technology. It- it was a little tricky because we we recorded it and we we had to figure out well how do we get it to record the right person so we had to keep everybody else muted for a chunk of time and mm-hmm. and for, fortunately there were no problems like wow I don't think anybody unmuted themselves and started Squawking, or making any funny noises—that was yeah. that was our fear, right? That I'm going to be like teaching the swing, and it's the camera is just going to be focused on somebody like snoring or something like that. Right? <laughs> but, but we successfully averted those issues, it seems, and it and it worked out really well. So, if anybody's thinking about doing something like this with Zoom, I would say the initial test run was largely a success, and this seems to be like a, a good option for fitness professionals in this situation.
0: That's very good to hear. And am mm-hmm. I understanding correctly? The key was. If you were talking, Sam and Alex would mute, mm-hmm. and that would—that's
1: that, right. On you. Okay, cool. That's yeah, that's right. Because it, it, what we found out is it records whoever the premier speaker or, or whatever mm-hmm. is. So, yeah, we had to do some testing beforehand, but that was a strategy we came up with, and it seems to seems to have worked. That's
0: a huge takeaway. That's actual like today. I'm gonna use that today. <laughs> Good. <laughs>
1: today. Yeah, <laughs> Glad it's, to hear
0: it's it. Very helpful. You know, uh, I have a lot of colleagues uh, from the gym I train in. I have three different gyms, but we're doing zoom meetings and we're always trying to figure out how to focus on like on the p- person talking or not the person making noise in the background. Cause then, it,
1: yeah. It was, it was that, that so, so everybody gets muted. That's the simple solution. Everybody except the presenter needs to be muted uh, because it records. Unfortunately, I don't think you can just pick a screen for mm-hmm. it to record. It will, it will just record whoever's presenting. And so long as people don't unmute themselves, which thankfully nobody did, yeah. you should be, you should be all right.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. Well, that was, that was awesome. That's very actionable. Sweet. Well, and then, so I know zoom, you can have it uh, record. The files are pretty big. I mean, when we do our podcast, are like a gig and a half, two gigs. Is that about what you came that, out with? Like?
1: Yeah. So I will say I got an email from zoom right after that file was done processing saying your storage is all full. I'm like, well, I bet it is, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, but it, it, it got it. It got it all. So that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Did you and it was, it, yeah, it was what? Two, two hours, two and a half hours, something like that?
0: Yeah, the file I'm looking at right now is two hours, 57 minutes and 20 seconds.
1: Yeah, so yeah, you'll sure. at least be able to get that much. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool, very good to know. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I know, I didn't know how to use Zoom a month ago. On, well, that's not true. We've done podcasts with Zoom. I never used Zoom for training like you guys did. So that's cool, actionable,
1: very much so. Yeah, neither have I. That was, that was the first time we did something like that. Sweet. Well,
0: good takeaways for sure. So what else you got cooking over there?
1: What have I got cooking? Well we got we got some ham soup upstairs cooking in the, in the literal sense. <laughs> Literally <laughs> that no, sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, no, what have, what have I been working on? Um a lot of stuff, a lot of different um writing projects. I wanna get um I think I told you this before, Sean, that this year I want to try and just get some more like very simple introductory ebooks out this year. Um, so on all different topics. So I have, I have one on kettlebells and I hesitate to even call that ebook. It's really just a pamphlet. Um, and it's just like some, some pictures, some simple descriptions, some links to videos. So I want to do something more substantial than that. I've been taking some stuff I did in my master's program in philosophy and and just trying to repurpose that into, into material that I think might be interesting. Um, you know, on various subjects and publish that. I want to do one on, on intermittent fasting. Again, just a very simple introduction and overview. It's kind of like a back to basics here for me. Um, You know, it's one of those things that I don't know if it comes with age or what, that you just grow an appreciation of of the basics and the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, yeah. So a lot, a lot of writing, a lot of editing, a lot of repurposing stuff these past couple of weeks. And hopefully, I don't know. I need to, I need to give myself something of a hard deadline here. I'm usually pretty good with this, but I want to say I w- would at least want to get one or two of these out by the end of summer is a goal for me. And, and these are just pure passion projects at this point, which is kind of interesting. Cause, and you know, this, I think this might even be worth discussing, discussing. It's kind of a fault of me as I'm, I, I've always, I've always been somebody who just loves to do stuff and I'll figure out the greater plan later in a lot of respects
0: <laughs> I get that for sure
1: <laughs> yeah yeah now now that can be a fault because in some in in, in some respects I've, I've often found that I've been spinning my tires and I have to kind of step back like okay I need to I need to think about this a little more systematically strategically but in another respect especially when I was very young with fitness like just getting started was so important mm-hmm. and I've seen so many people um really fall into the snare of perfectionism. And they think they have to have everything perfectly clear and perfectly outlined, of, of start to finish, before they can even begin doing anything. Um, and that seems, that seems wrong to me because I don't even see how that's possible. <laughs> right. Yet alone how you would ever be satisfied with something like that. So I, I, I try to stay somewhere in the middle. All right, what is, what is the long-term vision here for most things? But at the same time, I can't let perfection get in the way of progress. Um, so it's all a very long-winded way of saying I've got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the oven right now. Sean, working mm-hmm. on a lot of different projects on a lot of different things, and we'll see how it comes along.
0: That's exciting, man. I-, I get you, and I'm like you said, I will find myself creating content or shooting videos or getting real deep in the woods on something to realize, like you said, I've just been spinning the wheels, and one of those would have been good enough to serve the audience, not mm-hmm. 20 variations of it. And, um, so yeah, I'm guilty of that for sure, especially right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still testing gear over here, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like right now I've got a tent on my deck and, Mm -hmm. um, much to the chagrin of my neighbors. It's uh, a, there's a big blue tent on our deck and I mean, I slept in there last night. I've been sleeping in there off and on for two weeks to test it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I could have got that done in like 20 minutes as opposed to however much time I put into it. So I definitely understand what you're saying with like, and the big takeaways, make it good, make it really good. but
1: not. Ah, uh, perfect,
0: right? Just get it done.
1: yeah, at some point you you need to have to and, and this is I always love these conversations because they're always good reminders for myself, too, is that at at some point you have to hit publish. like that that's inevitable. And I think it's very easy to become your own worst critic. And I know I felt this way about all my work, mm-hmm. um, books, articles, emails. At the same time, I think it is important to have a sort of sliding scale of standards. So I think it is obviously worthwhile to have a higher, um, to, to have a higher degree and more criticism for a more substantial piece of work, right? I'm going to put more time into editing a, editing a book than I will an email, for example. Um, but making sure that you have some type of way, some way, I guess, of determining when good enough is good enough for any particular project, I think is, is really important. And how you define that, how you determine that, I think is, I mean, I could share some of my ways of doing it. I think it's, it's highly, from all the great creatives I know, it seems to be, it seems to vary wildly, but they all have some way of determining. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I, either it's a number of edits or amount of time spent or just like when their wife cracks them over the back of the head or something like that. That's right. Hilarious. There's some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like, stop being stupid, just get it out. Right. And like, look, I've been there too, but there's yeah. some way of determining. Um, you know, when, when that, that, that point has to come where you just have to step out of your own way and mm-hmm. just, and just get it out there.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. That's very helpful. I know um, I was on a podcast a few weeks ago about creating content for fitness professionals, like how to shoot a fitness video, you know, like yours are fantastic. They're, they're approachable. They got your music in there, which is always awesome. Thank and you. Yeah. They're, they're great edits. And then, uh, then I'll, I see some other stuff people put up and I'm just like, could have tried a little harder <laughs> you know the audio the angle of the iphone or whatever you're using just you know
1: give it a test right and like look i have those videos too and i have that that writing as well but there's there's value even in that like i go back and i look at some of my original please nobody do this please nobody go back and look at my first videos on youtube i just I just don't do it um but i keep those up there as sort of a reminder to myself that there's at least been a little progress in Pat Flynn's life, right? <laughs> right, and that <laughs> and that's helpful because I look at these things and like, oh my gosh, how could any human ever produce something so awful? <laughs> yeah, but but you know, you learn from that in, in different ways. You can learn uh, one, you can feel motivated, but like, okay, at least I'm not that bad anymore. <laughs> but you can also you can also learn from it by by le- through legitimate criticism mm-hmm. of yourself, of saying, okay, you know what that's a little off i can uh, i can fix that next time mm-hmm. i'm saying um a little too much or like a little too much two things that i'm currently working on as i listen back to my older podcasts and you sometimes have to do that and it's painful because nobody nobody likes to see themselves on camera well i shouldn't say that i i bet morgan freeman likes to see himself on camera <laughs> he de- i couldn't imagine or at least hear himself i could imagine that he, he hears his own voice and is dissatisfied it, it can't be like me where i hear my own voice and like I just want to I just want to punch myself in the neck. Um yeah, Morgan
0: Freeman could be the recipe and I'd be happy. Yeah Yeah, I,
1: I agree. So okay, maybe not everybody, but I think for most people, the general impulse is to be to be thoroughly disgusted whenever you go back and review something, whether you're on camera, whether it's your own writing, or even in music, right? The worst thing is like when you lay down that first track and you go back and listen to it, you're like, oh, I should just quit forever, right? <laughs> um yeah, But that's, but that's how you improve, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the crappy first draft. There's always a crappy first draft and, and all the great writers acknowledge this and, and the best writing books admit it. Like, look, you're seeing the final draft here, but let me show you the first draft of this. And it actually gives you a lot of hope. It's like, oh, wow. They struggle in the same way that I struggle. And this is, this is actually really inspiring. So as long as you can get over that initial, uh, disgust, I guess it is. Yeah. Um it can be it can be really valuable to go back and, and review your work.
0: Oh, it's great context. And, and like you, I when I go back and review even prior podcasts from two months ago, just like you said, I'm constantly making sounds in between questions and I'm like, oh, shut that guy up. Oh, it's me. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And yeah, and like you know, and the funny thing is is chances are for most of that stuff, you're probably the only one who cares about it, or at least like really is bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, it's it's ways to to polish your technique and to That's become cool. more of a technician. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, I I recommend it to, to, to people of, who are trying to develop any skill. If you want to get better at writing, you got to get better at editing. If you want to get better as a musician, you need to listen back to your playing. If you want to mm-hmm. get better at moving, you need to watch how you move. That's and a key re- right there. Yeah, and and review. It's the process of review. If your if your process of self de, of self development doesn't have a process of review, then you're missing a huge, a huge opportunity.
0: Absolutely. No, that's that's well said. And I know, you know, for fitness stuff, I always recommend to my people record themselves like you do, like record yourself and review it. Not because you're narcissistic, but because you can see. And then I can mm-hmm. if you want to share it with your coach, they can see and help cue. Um, and yeah, reviewing. I have my wife review stuff oftentimes, you know, just yeah. Mm-hmm. Like- yeah.
1: My wife is one of the first um, proofreaders of, of anything that that I write. She's she's absolutely ruthless, which <laughs> which I which I value. Right. That's what I want. Yeah. I, want yeah. I want the hard truth for this stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's exactly everything that you just said. A review is how we can reflect on criticism that if it comes from ourselves we can give ourselves valid criticism not all of it is and we have to be able to discern what is valid and what is just self self self-loathing yeah and and sometimes that's that's sometimes that's hard but we have to try and and make those distinctions and one way to help make those distinctions like you said is is don't be the only one who reviews your own work Mm -hmm. get a coach get a mentor or even just a colleague who you feel will give you some some honest feedback some honest criticism
0: absolutely now that's well said and um I know right now a lot of people have a little more time in their hands, and so it's been kind of fun because people are sending stuff my way as friends or as colleagues. Hey, what do you think about this? And honestly, most of the time I'm really blown away with their creativity. I'm like, wow, that that's really cool. I run with that, you know. But maybe they get lost in their own mind and they don't see it that way anymore because they spent so much time in this process, they can't see what what they've created and the beauty of it. You know.
1: I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So, what have you been working on, man? What what projects you've been? Oh, I appreciate it. You know, it's been
0: really fun. Um, training people remotely, which has been great. Um, I had the online mountain fitness school, which has been a good success. And I'm going to do a home version of that. So I'm going to say, Hey, we're all at home, obviously, or maybe you have a backyard or a deck, but let's take it from the mountain, which is where I record the first one and just put it at home. Have your dog there, have your kids there. Um, and then just, I've actually found some ways to tweak it, add some cleans and jerks and, Offset squats and overhead carries and some fun stuff. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And since I made the last one, I've got a better camera, better lens, better audio. So that's like my fun passion project. I hope to get that done in the next two or three weeks. And then uh, podcasting with a plethora of really great people. Thanks to you, Dan John, last week. That was a freaking blast. Yeah, so, he's a treat, isn't he? He really is. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Like you, like we get to talk for hours about Everything. We were laughing our butts off too. It was it was a good time.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. No. I, I have to go back and catch that one. I haven't heard it yet. What was the um? Was the theme of the conversation?
0: I wish I knew. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's how Dan is. So I talk to Dan every week on my show. And yeah. if you asked me back a few days ago, I would probably be like, yeah. What? What did we? Because you just you're so absorbed by it. Yeah, um, and it's not because it wasn't a good conversation. It's actually precisely because it was such a good conversation.
0: Oh, exactly. I can I can recall a backpack his daughter keeps in her trunk, and I was like, oh, I keep one my wife too. She has a a go bag, and we talked about um, lots of things, like you said, like just a, a great lively conversation.
1: Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, Dan Dan's a great guy. So we have the you know this, but for your listeners, I have a weekly segment where I just um, Really, I just outsource my my fitness content that day to Dan. He yeah, just, I, it just saves me so much work. Hey, hey, Dan, here's a microphone talking to it, and yeah. we'll put it on my put it on my podcast and pretend yeah. like I'm actually doing something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a good. It's good to interact with you guys for sure. Um, yeah, he's he's really good at telling stories. Good stories.
1: Yeah, and you know, like that's such a such a talk about valuable skills, and that's something that. I think, I don't want to speak for him directly, but I think he would say that that is something that he has studied and really practiced. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and he often talks about the importance of a classical education and reading the great novels and trying to understand storytelling because he sees that stories connect with people in a very uh, very deep way and in a very emotional way. So especially, even if you have just like a simple fitness truth Mm -hmm. that you want to communicate, if you could somehow embed it into a story, you might be able to, really get, you might be able to make that truth sticky in a way than if you just, you know, just gave like a kind of abstract or boring description yeah. of what you're trying to. And Dan is, Dan is the guy to go for that. He's so good at that type of presentation.
0: Yeah. He's colorful. He makes it, he has a nice story about it. Like you said, a very personal story, often relatable. Very
1: entertaining, <laughs> always. Oh yeah, always good laughs with him. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, rock and roll with podcasting is fun, isn't it? It really is. I, you know what? Like
0: to think about this time last year, I didn't have a podcast. I had the YouTube channel. I had these, you know, engagement writers with uh, reviews for North Face and Patagonia. Really cool stuff. And I realized we have access to people. All of us have access to people to communicate with, and talk with, and ask questions, and learn from, and share that discussion with other people. And Podcast, what a great way to do that! Most of us will not right now, but drive or <laughs> do something where there's audio on. And as much as I love music and creating music, I would rather almost as much learn um, and better myself, and you know, put on your podcast and put on uh, other podcasts, and just mm-hmm. imagine yourself as a fly in the wall in that room.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I, I completely agree, and I've all, I also have to say that it's been it's been fun because it. I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but I guess it's true. It lets you be a little bit selfish too. Yeah. And and I'll say like most of the conversations I have on my podcast are just because I want to talk to these people that I find yeah. very interesting on subjects that I'm really interested in. Absolutely. <laughs> and it just so happens that people sometimes want to, want to listen in on that conversation, which is super fortunate. Uh, you, you
0: get it more than anybody I know, man, it's been crazy. Like to, to be able to say, Hey Pat, you want to chat on Monday? And you're like, yeah. And last week, uh, Pat Rigsby and, and then Dave Whitley and he ripped a deck of cards in, in half on the screen. I'm like,
1: <laughs> <I'm> like <"What? laughs>
0: how's this even possible? <laughs> you know?
1: it, it's like yeah, it's,
0: Your heroes are over there, but they're still, they're like right here and they, they want to talk too. And it's,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's so cool. It's been such a treat. And even now, um, a, kind of a blessing in disguise of this whole pandemic is that since people are at home, um, they're more available to podcast. So right. I've, been, I've been reaching out to people who I know are otherwise extremely busy. They, they're speaking. And I'm like, hey, you know, first off, hope everything is okay and you're doing well. If so, do you have, and most of them have said, yeah, bored out of my mind. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, you had a big guy, uh, John Biardi, last week. How cool is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's huge. I'm yeah. only halfway through that one. But my God, that's a, that's a person like everybody you're talking to and everybody I've been able to talk to are people people would hire for a good amount of money for a service to learn from. And then they can jump on a podcast with you and, and, and Dan and, and everybody and just hear them talk as people. It's amazing.
1: Absolutely, so John was really interesting because um, we've always known of each other, but that was the first time we had a conversation as I, as I think the podcast noted. And it happened because he's, his latest book is with the same publisher as my latest book. Right. And, and we share the same PR lady, uh, I forget what her formal position is with the publisher and she just she just connected us and she's like I thought you guys might you know want to have a conversation i'm like absolutely we do and the even kind of funnier thing about his book i don't know if you've read it yet or changemakers he actually makes a case for generalism in the book there it is right yeah. he talks he talks about generalism not in exactly the same way that i do but he's he's a he's a strong advocate of it yeah. which is kind of ironic because it's that is exactly what my book was about, right? Wow. So we're like, yeah, so we're like super cool. Let's uh let's dive in here. And he had some really awesome insights specifically for the fitness industry of how he approaches that. Because for 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 John, you know, he's got his PhD. He's somebody that people think of as like a highly trained specialist. Mm-hmm. Yet he wants to say, No, look, you know, so much of my success is focusing not just on depth, but the breadth as well and making sure that I'm acquiring new skills and stacking skills and combining skills to form the competitive advantages that I would definitely lack if I just stayed in a very narrow lane. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that was, that was a cool, yeah, he was a super, super nice guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. So I'll be, I'll be inviting him back on at some point.
0: That's so cool. I look forward to that. I was on a webinar with him and some other professionals maybe three weeks ago. They're talking about how to best navigate for fitness professionals through this situation. And, um, was he in Arizona when you guys were talking?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, cool, cool. Because he's Canadian, right? And so.
1: That's what I gathered, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so, renting a house in Arizona and just kind of hanging out. And he's so intelligent. Like, um, there's been so many great webinars popping up for people in, in our industry, as well as in the outdoor industry, and I'm sure other industries as well, about how to navigate things and SBA loans and payment protection programs and all of these new. Helpful services, which you know, I'll go on record saying I've applied for the PPP and I've applied for anything that is related to what I can, you know, help my business thrive and get through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it's been so fascinating talking to people like Pat Rigsby about this and what he recommends, and and you know, pivoting to serve our our students, our clients online, which is something you've already done for a long time. Um, I don't know. Are you noticing anything that's actionable for say a person who's a, a personal trainer? Who's uh for the first time ever, their gym is closed, they don't have access, but they have a phone right, or they have a laptop mm-hmm. I mean they can still serve their people if the, you know people are motivated and such like what are you seeing like from your point of view with this?
1: yeah i'm seeing a lot of of different things um so just to give some immediate context one of the co-hosts of bells and beer my really good friend sam he is a gym owner right so he's he's somebody who's had to shut the doors not not permanently thankfully but just because of the lockdown and so he's you know feeling the stress and, and pressure of all this so you know part of the reason i wanted to to do this is because i want i want to be able to help him out too right like you know it's You know, um, but I would say, you know, I've seen a lot of really, I'll say what I have seen and then maybe I'll I'll say what maybe I would recommend. I've seen so much creativity Mm -hmm. and such cool adaptability in the circumstances of people very quickly transitioning to teaching, uh, yeah, to, to phone consults, to zoom, personal training sessions, to zoom classes and stuff, kind of like what we did with bells and beer. Um, and I, I have a lot of friends in the industry that are saying, you know, it'd be perfectly frank, like, Hey, this isn't an ideal situation. I'm not hitting any PRs monetarily this month, but mm-hmm. I'm going to make my mortgage. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes that's, that is the PR, right. So, so we say in times like these, like plateauing is the new PR. Like that's a good <laughs> thing, right? I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and Hey, like given the circumstances, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, you know, and I think if, I think if people recognize too, especially if you already have, you know, Uh, a great community and you're bringing value Uh, people want to stick by your side. Right. And you don't have to, you don't have to be shy about saying, Hey, you know, this is, I know this is hard for all of us and I appreciate you. And uh, as you know, the the doors are closed right now and I want to serve you however I can. So, you know, uh, here's a few, few options. Right. And I, people, so long as they're able to, what I have found and what I've heard from people who are in more of a brick and mortar business is, and my friend Sam is, you know, people are sticking by them, right? They're still paying their dues. They're they're helping out. Now, obviously, there's going to be limits to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because some people are legitimately losing their jobs, and we'll see how long this goes on. But at least right now, you know, it's it's really cool to see um, how people want to rally. And I've seen incredible support, even for me, like even just from, from my people, people like little things of people like buying premium packages or paying full price when discounts were offered just because they said they wanted to, to help. I'm like, that's, that's super cool and totally unnecessary, but I, I really like, really appreciate it. Yes. And I say, you know, I like say like, you know, I'm fortunate cause I'm kind of situated where, um, I think I'm probably less affected. Mm-hmm. Certainly I am. I'm certainly less affected by this because I am an online business owner than people who have brick, brick and mortar. Um, but even for me in the situation, uh, people have, have really rallied. So yeah, I don't know if there's a, a deep general point in there, but I would say just understanding that, that people do want to have your back, right? Yeah. They, they do. Um, and that as as far as they're able, as long as you find ways to adapt to the situation and still try to bring that value, I, what I have found is that people are still very eager to receive that value and, and support you. So don't be shy about it, I would say.
0: Oh, that's fantastic advice. And I hope everybody like re-listens to that part. That's very helpful and inspiring. And I I can relate to that, you know, sure. You know, I, uh, my gym that I go to the train in closed as it should. And then the gym inside the law firm I built closed as it should. And then, you know, so some people I think, um, are kind of in their own dealing process right now, but then there's the other part of people that are more in the growth and curious phase. And they're coming out and reaching out like, Hey, you know, I am at home and I did buy a TRX and I have a couple of kettlebells. Is there something new we can do together? And I'm like, the heck yeah, there is. Like, let's jump on a Zoom right now. In fact, the guy that built that split board right behind me, I helped install his TRX and build his home gym like a year ago. Mm-hmm. So
1: Perfect, yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly, so it's been really eye-opening and really, like you said, I've had like tears of joy because I've had people just randomly pay me $50 just because like, hey, Thanks for putting up that that video on on using your dog as a as a weight for doing dog squats. You know, just yeah, little things, right? Just giving them a little bit of motivation and proving that we're doing something, hopefully, to serve a lot of people to get a, a benefit out of it.
1: Right, and it goes back to a previous conversation we had, and it's it, it's often you know really incredible and joyful to see how even in times of of great suffering and and even in, in the middle of a crisis, people can just be so virtuous, right? And you have this rallying and this knitting. Now, to be fair, on the other side of it, you have people doing some really nasty things. Oh, yeah. Um, but my experience as a whole has not been that. My experience as as a whole, especially, and I have a large size audience, right? So I've got like not an insignificant sample is people really wanting to step up and support not just me but everybody else as far as they can, again within reason and within limits, because some people are obviously affected by this a lot more than others. And that's, that's made me, you know, like you said, you know, like, you know, the tears of joy yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man,
0: I, I never, I, I, the first one that came in and it happened, um, probably 10 or 12 people in one day did that. Like donated five 50, you know, person hired me for, you know, a month of consulting. I'm like, wow, it, I just, I couldn't get out of bed. I was so like moved by, it, you know, I'm just really, really grateful.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's certain people, you know, like me, but other people whose, whose jobs are just less affected by what's, what's going on. Sure. And the, I think those people, at least what I have seen, recognize that and have, you know, stepped up in a lot of ways, which, mm-hmm. is, which is great, which is awesome. I've, I've tried to do that in ways, you know, just saying like I, I, I very much acknowledge that I'm in a very fortunate situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't plan my business around a pandemic, but it just so happens that <laughs> there, there is one and I'm just because of the nature of my business, it's just, I'm just in a more fortunate position than my friends that own gyms. So, yeah. you know, what can, what can I do? Um, so, you know, like little things that, you know, I, even in strong on just saying, Hey, if you're a gym owner or you have any services you're offering online, just, just list them here. And we had a really nice post about that. of oh, people that's just awesome you know, just being able to promote whatever they're doing during the time. And, you know, just, just trying to figure out ways because, you know, I've got a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of really good friends, uh, and most of them are not online and it is, it is sad and it is tough to see. I think I even mentioned this last time. There's a few people I've talked to have just said, yeah, don't think I'm going to be able to open back up. So I don't want to paint too rosy of a picture either, but
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's a good point. I, um, my good friend, um, we built a gym together and he closed up and, you know, it, it was very successful. Jim was a 24 hour access gym. Um, and it wasn't a franchise. It was his baby, you know, but yeah, it's closed and it's, it's sad, but, um, that is, you know, there's a lot of challenges currently and probably for a bit that people are facing for sure. My wife, we know works at a law firm, a very prestigious law firm. There's some big changes
1: coming next month, big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so yeah, what do we do? We just keep trying to navigate it as yeah. best we can, right? Bird by bird. I don't know if you, that, there's a good book. It's, it's actually a book on writing um, by Anne Lamont. And uh, the idea is you're faced with, and the, the story she gives is that um, her brother was the son that uh, an enormous project, like, a, I don't know, some project on birds, right? When he, was, mm-hmm. when he was young and he put it off to the last minute. He was overwhelmed and crying brought it to his dad he says well son we're just going to take it bird by bird (laughs) right (laughs) love it
0: i had not heard that
1: yet. yeah yeah well it's super it's just super relevant to just that book but it's that's why it's the title is and i I think that's great i think that's you know sometimes that's the best you can do right
0: right no i like that a lot the one i use sometimes uh how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time
1: that's right one bite. (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's a lot of food (laughs) oh that's hilarious
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and I really wish I had some more, um, more advice on it, but there's just so much, like, there's just so much ambiguity out there. So oh, there
0: is, mm. let me turn that message off. Sorry about that. Yeah, there, there is, um, there's, there's good, there's bad, there's challenges for sure. Um, but well, speaking of suffering, you know, we, last one when we talked about, we really got into some good stuff about suffering and how it brings appreciation right. in context. I had no idea that, between that conversation and this conversation, this would be happening. So I think a lot of people are getting a really blunt, uh, just, you know, kick in the gut, of uh, suffering possibly for the first right. time at this level. So, um, it's been, it's been very interesting watching how some people are handling it and how others are handling mm-hmm. it too. Like you, I help run a very big Facebook group for backcountry skiing and snowboarding. And we made a very, um, a concerted effort to have a group conversation with the other admins and myself and put a statement out saying, we're not going to go out and recreate. We're going to abide by the best practices and stay home. As much as we want to be in the mountains, as much as I love doing that. And right now is the best time of year for it. We're all going to, the admins and I, we're going to stay home, hopefully leading by example, you know, but then people are like, Oh, there's always a rights and we have the right to go recreate. And I'm like, there's <laughs> on this Forum and doctors and they're all chiming like please don't inundate our small mountain communities with your recklessness and yeah people and so I guess it's been kind of good to like in my opinion see what the weeds are so I won't you know recreate with those people in the future and everybody knows who those people are and how their decision makings are so it's been eye opening for some people and it's-
1: yeah I mean you bring up a lot of good topics for for conversation suffering I'm always happy to talk about suffering I think that's a, a really important one so maybe we could even circle back to that. Yes. Um, I know we opened up a, th- a few threads on that in a brief, and I, I love that. That was, that was such a fun conversation with you. Wow, um, you. but even, just even the idea of like, yeah, or, or right to, to recreate, it's a, it's an interesting assertion. There seems to be something like initially plausible to it, but I, I don't see that. Right. So, you know, a right is something that, that squares with a moral norm. Mm-hmm. And so it just in principle, I think if you're thinking deeply and in, in, about morality, so my two primary, areas of focus in my philosophical study, especially for my master's was on, was on metaphysics, which is just first philosophy study of like the deepest structure of being reality, things like that. Asking questions about causation and time and change and and fundamental reality and and all that good fun stuff. Right. But also, yeah, but also um, moral morality, moral theory, ethics. Um, And so, you know, I would say a right is that which squares with a moral norm. So you can never in principle have a right to do something that's wrong. Right. And if there's if there's if you have and you have to consider relevant facts. Right. If there's relevant facts that make it seem clear and obvious that you might be um, in, you know, in a way really uh, potentially causing other people serious harm. um, Your obligations to love other people. Right. Overrides any other, you know, right that you would have to go kick a soccer ball around. Right. Right. Always. Always. Yeah. Now you might in otherwise normal circumstances have every right to go kick a soccer ball. around, Mm -hmm. Right. But there's other other facts that have to be considered um, in the circumstances that might make your decision to go recreate something that would otherwise be at least morally neutral. Right now, something that's that's morally wrong. And if that's the case, then you don't have a right to do that. You might have a you might have a legal right, but not a moral right and that's an important distinction. And it's just like everyone throws rights around They're like this is a right that's a right but very few people have ever seemed to want to think about well what, what is a right like fundamentally deep down it's very easy just to call something a right and then just act however you want but mm-hmm. i think when you start to unpack this it's a lot it's a lot more it's a lot more conservative in ways than than i think people might initially recognize and that we have certain obligations at certain times to probably forgo certain pleasures or recre- recreations on our point because mm-hmm. we have an obligation to will the good for other people. Right.
0: Very much so Pat. I'm glad to hear from you. I know a lot of people are across the country and across the world have, you know, probably the same viewpoint, but I'm surprised by so many people that don't. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I don't want to say I thought hire that person, but like really caught me off guard because like you, you and I, and most people we know see a greater good. And we're always trying to do like, what is the greater good? Like, I might have to table down some of my needs and wants and let the greater good benefit,
1: right? Yeah, and and I would I would even hesitate the greater good because uh, to hesitate using that term because I'm I'm not even a, I'm not a utilitarian, right? So I'm not like an ends justify the means of guy. I would just say the good, period, okay. so full I, stop, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I want to I guess I want to recognize something that that's going on is like, okay, you can you can very much recognize everything that we just said and still have a healthy suspicion of government overreach as sure. well right and i think that there's there's instances where you can be affirm everything that we just said that yeah i have a moral obligation to social distance and you know forgo certain things that i would very much like to do right now but at the same time yeah that measure seems a little extreme that measure seems a little much and and there i would say it's just a case by case basis it's just mm-hmm. it's just too ob- obscure so there I think there can be a very balanced and healthy middle ground, but generally I'm, I'm with you, Sean. It's just a, a number of people have just seemed to think that there's just sort of some abstract thing out there as your right to kick a soccer ball around yeah. right, or to go, or to go clubbing. Yeah. Um, like, like I, I remember when this all first started like, you know, really um, coming to a head and I saw people on Instagram, like at like clubs and bars and they're like hashtagging like Corona night out and stuff like this. I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh
0: my God gosh <laughs> I yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: no I, I get you man uh it it was from my point of view it's kind of frustrating seeing these people what what we do already is dangerous in the in the mountains right so mm-hmm. that right there is a selfish act um but and then to the travel from different counties you know that that becomes selfish too and then you know uh there's been people caught in avalanches last week they passed away unfortunately and then they put search and rescue which are volunteers they're not they're not paid volunteers at risk resources that could go to other places put into use so yeah for me it's kind of frustrating but i don't know everything i only know what i read and what i can practice but it's interesting times to observe human behavior for sure
1: yeah absolutely and and you know so much of it i think does does you know is is difficult as the situation is and as messy as it is um you know sometimes just some very simple moral principles sometimes even as simple as the golden rule can just Mm -hmm. be good to return to right if i right if i were somebody with a lung condition or if i were somebody who were of a certain age and alone like would i want you to go out and put me at a certain degree of risk you know just because just because you wanted to have a, p- a picnic, for example. Right? Exactly. You yeah. probably wouldn't want that, right? Like you yeah. probably would say no. Like I would really wish that they would say, um, yes, I want to have a picnic right now or whatever. But I understand that I might be putting somebody at great unnecessary risk because of that. So I'll just – I'll forgo that for yeah. the time being.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's good said you know and honestly i've actually appreciated like we talked about last time about giving things up like for lent you're giving things up but were you giving up coffee or what were you giving up
1: it was coffee and my friend it is back in now and it has (laughs) never tasted so good i bet bet. (laughs) coffee among other things it wasn't just coffee was like a last minute thing where i just felt like all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just like I'm just gonna pull the trigger last minute. I'm not gonna think about it because then I'll 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 rationalize myself back into it. And I'm just like, all right, coffee's out. Boom, done. And I did it. I stuck to it. I felt like an idiot for the first week, but
0: oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Well, um, for you, like I appreciate coffee too, but for me, it's it's a uh, thing I gave up was mountains, you know, and outdoor recreation, mm-hmm. and then seeing people in person, you know, and hugging my nieces and stuff, but. You know, well, honestly, I've kind of enjoyed giving all this up because I know when we do get the chance to enjoy these things, it's going to be so much better. So much Yeah.
1: Better. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Yeah, I mean, how much? And, like, we already see that. Like, you know, the cliche is absence makes the heart gl- grow fonder. And mm-hmm. it's a cliche because there's a significant amount of truth to it. And yeah. um, I know even within my family, but many other families I've talked about, they've been doing, like, Zoom Zoom Easters and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, they're having, like – deeper more intimate conversations that I have in years right and like people are like coming back into the fold that they have been estranged and and stuff like that and and so that's that's all I think a very wonderful blessing and it's cool Mm -hmm. to see um, how the kind of forced separation has actually brought people closer together in more significant ways not physically of course yep but
0: very true I'm glad to hear that from you too. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And most everybody I've talked to has said something in, in their own words of like, though there is more space, it, people are closer together emotionally and, and spiritually and bonding. It's been really, yeah. really neat. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, that said, I hope that this resolves fairly quickly here. <laughs> right?
0: yeah, but. Sure. I definitely <laughs> want to go high-five my friends and hug them and go run around and live life again for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right because you're, yeah, that's for you, especially being so much about the outdoors. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can appreciate how difficult that would be.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate that you can see how much that is. And you know, for my writers, too, a lot of these people, like, fortunately, I have a wife and dogs and you know, a, a good social structure, but a lot of the writers we have. Are, are single and like their lives are based around their recreation whether it's mountain biking or rafting or rock climbing or whatever it is and it's also their wherewithal like that's how they put food on the table and so a lot of yeah. my, my my friends and colleagues i've had re- not had to have been very fortunate that I can reach out one-on-one have a facetime with them let them cry let them talk let them process everything and hopefully let it get off their chest and experience and accept what's going on right because a lot of people are either in denial or they're processing in different ways it's not necessarily healthy so you know with our backgrounds of you know dealing with anxiety and depression and and ups and downs and all kinds of challenges right and being very open about it i think that's hopefully allowed other people to be a little more vulnerable a little more open to talking about it
1: yeah
0: an ear you know seeking somebody to talk to so
1: i you know i really hope so and that's one of the the major reasons that i i love having these conversations and we and we talked about this this before but i think it's worth um, at least a a summary of a repeat. And and that is, you know, when I, when I first, when I was very young and really started having like instances of anxiety and depression, you know, the kind of thing that always made it even that much, um, more horrible was that you just think that you're the only one Mm -hmm. that's having that. Right. And that's, that's statistically demonstrably false, right? (laughs) It's just not true. And uh, so, uh, you know, having those types of conversations, I hope gives, I hope gives people hope and realize, Hey, like, you know, we're all struggling. We've, we've all got our often many crosses to bear. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, let's bring them to the forefront and see how we can help each other out with this stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. That's beautiful. You know, honestly, as on your podcast, I think a year and a half ago or so when you brought up about the anxiety and I was like, I was already a fan of your work. And when you brought that up, I was like, all right. I'm a big fan now because he had the wherewithal to talk about this. And it was – and I know we talked about this last time. I'm not the only person who appreciated that, I'm sure. So, yeah. Yeah, the fact that we're Well, not-
1: well it's interesting with anxiety because it's definitely – it seems to be even more of a taboo for men, right? Because there's something about, well, you're a man. How could, you, how could you be anxious? And the funny thing is, is like that's just not how anxiety works, right? Some of the most courageous manly people I know have horrific anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's often about really weird things, right? That's how anxiety yeah. works. Like <laughs> people will be like, Pat, how are you, you know, you get in front of crowds and you can speak and you, yeah. music and you always put yourself out there on the internet and you get all this criticism. Like, doesn't that make you anxious? And I'll be like, no, but let me tell you what really does make yeah. me anxious. All these weird phobias that I have. <laughs> <laughs> True. Cause it's just, it's a disorder, right? And yeah. there's, there's lots of layers to that disorder and and, you know, virtue is often, is often relative. It's objective, but it's relative. It's objective because we really are perfected in virtue, but it's relative because how somebody develops virtue will always be relative to their situation, to their context, to their environment, and to their life. So in some sense, somebody who's got a severe phobia of cats who somehow manages to overcome that and pick up a cat is showing an incredible amount of virtue. and might even be showing more virtue than somebody who's storming the beach at, at D-Day, but they're doing so because they're just reckless, right? And they just, they're like bloodthirsty. Now, from a third person perspective, you might think that the second person is, is more virtuous, but in an interior state, you realize, no, actually one is in vice because they just like killing or something like that, right? <laughs> Whereas the first person is is really the more virtuous and, and correct. And don't get me wrong, people who go to war, obviously, I have and fight for their country and stuff like that, nothing but the highest respect. It's just a sure. simple... To give a, an illustration of how we, how I think, is a better way to think about virtue, and that context and situation really bears in heavily yeah. on this.
0: That's a good analogy, actually. Very good analogy. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Um, gosh, yeah, I love talking about this kind of stuff too. And you know, honestly, I've even had um, people I, I, I train uh, for fitness like contact me. My anxiety is so so high right now. I can't even muster the courage to have a visual. And I'm like, I, I get that. I totally get that, you know. And I, I just tell him, you know what, I'm here for you. No judgment. You just process. You breathe. You, you know, go to your deck and get some fresh air. And we'll reconvene when we need to. But, um, you know, especially as a man, that's kind of hard to admit. Like, having those emotions and those fears, and they're not logical. Like, if anybody saw from the outside, like, that, that person's just making no sense. But it's yeah. – it's all dramatic. look
1: look i'm train i'm literally trained in logic right i think yeah. i'm a pretty logical thinker and the, that's the funny thing about anxiety is like you can know this is not rational like mm-hmm. you know it you're like mm-hmm. no like this is totally irrational <laughs> yet it's still it's still there right yeah. that's the fun that's like that that's why it's such a disorder because you can think through it but that doesn't necessarily help you solve it mm-hmm. right and and that's you know that's that's just the, the interesting nature of the beast, right? It's like, I know, like, and, and especially, so fortunately, through through various efforts, which we, we can talk about, I've really reined in the severe anxiety that I had. Like, I used to be straight up agoraphobic, right? Couldn't even get out of the house. Um, it, was, it was bad, just constant panic attacks, stuff like that. Um, but even when I was young, right? I, I knew, like, this is stupid. <laughs> right? right? Like the things I'm worried about, like, I know this isn't true, right? So like you have it like figured out rash. And that isn't always the case all the time. Some people with anxiety really think like they're having a heart attack. So like, but like, right. I would resolve that stuff, go, you know, you, you know, anybody with anxiety pattern, you've been hooked up to a heart monitor at some point, right? You've had the doctor at some point say, no, look, you're fine. You're right. so like, you get to a point where you know, okay, no, I know what this is, right? And then with the anxiety loop, what then becomes the source of anxiety is anxiety itself, mm-hmm. right? So once you kind of like get like some rational clarity or some empirical clarity of, okay, now I'm not having this health ailment or that ailment, then, then you can get in the anxiety loop of being anxious about your anxiety state, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the classic anxiety loop. Um, and that itself is not really something that you can reason through. Um, and believe me, <laughs> I've tried. So it's, 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 it's very just important to, to, to understand the nature of anxiety, right? It's not something that you're going to solve through logical thinking, really. Uh, at least it, that was never successful for me. Um, it's something you have to take a completely different approach to. You have to desensitize your nervous system. You have to have a method. And we talked about this a little bit last time. You have to kind of do everything that is counterintuitive in the face of anxiety. You have to face the anxiety. You have to not run away from it. You have to not tense up in front of it. So don't tense. Don't run away from. And then you have to learn to float right with the anxious feelings. And then the big one, the big one that I always struggled with was you have to learn to be patient. Mm -hmm. Extremely patient and constantly remind yourself of those previous steps. And how long is patient? A couple hours, maybe couple months? maybe, right? Like very patient, like a couple months is not unreasonable to begin to literally rewire. A lot of it is just rewiring the hardwiring, right? And that's the super cool thing about the brain and neuroplasticity is we can actually do that. Mm -hmm. Like we can actually restructure our brains by the way that we choose to consciously think. And a lot of anxiety is just unconscious thought patterns that we've grooved in through negative thinking patterns. And we can begin to restructure that, but it takes time so the patience is is really a key and you have to have a very simple method so i like i like that four step method don't fight don't run away from learn to float like or sag don't tell yourself to relax cuz you'll just tense up but words like <laughs> floating or sagging mm-hmm. and then just being patient and and always and and just like gentle noting techniques right of like when you have an anxious thought Don't give it the second fear. And we talked about the second fear. So the first fear is sometimes subconscious, automatic, it just pops up, boom, anxiety. The second fear is when you start the what if line of thinking. What is that? Am I about to have another anxious episode? Like that's when you add the second fear. And that's what you can respond to. And that's what you can get under your control. So even when the first wave of fear hits, you can still just give it a note and say, oh, that's an anxious thought. Just very gently or, oh that's an anxious feeling just identify it for what it is deep breath sag float and then just you know note it acknowledge it don't run away from it relax into it using whatever imagery or words you need and then just move on to another activity right but but that process is important so don't immediately distract yourself because that would be running away from you have to acknowledge it first Un- like let it come let it in float sag whatever move on to another activity consciously and not in a, in a tense sort of flighty way mm-hmm. and then just be really patient. And if you repeat that process over and over and if you also practice putting yourself in situations that you know are going to trigger anxiety and repeat that process, mm-hmm. that's how you overcome it. And it can be overcome, but it takes, it takes a lot of practice just like anything else.
0: Well said, Pat. That's, mm-hmm. that's
1: very helpful. I appreciate that very much. That's gonna yeah. Anytime, fun. anytime. That's, yeah. And a lot of the depression, so there's different forms of depression. So like a lot of the depression, and I have both anxiety and depression in my family, but a lot of the pre- depression kind of comes as like there's different fatigues of anxiety. You have mental fatigue, you have physical fatigue, but then you like get that deep spiritual fatigue, right? Where you're just kind of at your absolute wits end, you're exhausted and you're just like, oh man, it's not even worth going on anymore. Now the good, so like that's like, that's when you know the anxiety has just wrung you dry, right? When you start becoming depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news, however, is when you start to apply the types of methods that I've, um, that I've been going over is, is that's the first thing to lift, right? Is that spiritual fatigue and the depression. So it's the last thing to set in, in the anxiety state It takes the lungs to build up to, but it's the first thing to lift. So that will be one of the first things to go away as you begin to reverse a lot of the, the sensitive nervous system sensitization and all that. Wow.
0: That's cool. That's very good to hear. Mm -hmm. I, like you said, I've in my family, um, depression and, um, OCD and, um, audio hallucinations and all kinds, a whole gamut of interesting stuff, right?
1: Yeah. It's all fun, isn't it?
0: It's real fun that, you know, I like problems and challenges and I like to (laughs) figure them out, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it, it was, um, it's always amazing to me, like how people, what they do for cognitive therapy or spiritual or however they find to well, basically accept, and to learn to live with and not let it take over, basically.
1: Yeah, and accept, we talked about this last time. It's, what, everything that I'm trying to break down into method here ultimately comes down to that one word, accept. Mm-hmm. And if you can just remember, I remember one of my, um, it wasn't a, a therapist, it was just a tape that I had years ago. If I remember the name of it, I'll, I'll recommend it so maybe you could put it in your show notes because it's very helpful to me. Oh, that's it, Dr. Claire Weeks, Dr. Claire Weeks. She is a. She was a great doctor back in the '60s, and she was so ahead of her time on on the anxiety issue. Um, so she's got a book called Hope and Help for Your Nerves, and I think this is from from an audio recording she did related to that book. So I'd recommend that book, but also this recording too. And she talks about exactly the method I'm, I'm describing. And this was one of those things that just did absolute wonders for me. And. She just says, "Okay, you know, obviously, when you're super anxious, you it's hard to even think straight. But if you can just remember, accept, radical acceptance, um, that's that's ultimately what we are going for, Uh, because anxiety is often the result of resistance on many levels." I love it. Right.
0: I found Claire Weeks float through anxiety.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So she's where I get the idea float from, right? And she's she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant, and her work is even though it's older, I think it's still some of the best out there. Like she and she had it herself. She had severe, I think, anxiety and panic disorder and stuff like that. And she's uh, a brilliant scientist. She's got some really interesting, I think, published research in biology and stuff like that. But decided she really needed to take this on and became quite prominent for it.
0: Oh, that's incredible. I always respect people who have their own battle they've gone through in the area that they're working on so they can totally relate to and talk in the language of
1: yeah and i I found that that's really important and i think it's a it's a both end right so you want the kind of formal credentials that that would seem relevant but Mm -hmm. then there's also just that experience you get from having been through that experience that that's just utterly invaluable Mm -hmm. and i can tell you the people who were most helpful for me in any area of life but certainly when it comes to the to the mental stuff like anxiety the best therapists i had and the best books i read like this one were by people who were smart that well researched but they lived through it right you know they've been there yeah mm-hmm. very helpful and, I, and obviously that's not the case for everything so like if i if i got to go under the knife for like some cancer operation i'm not going to ask the doc hey if you had cancer, right? like, yeah. no, I just you know want you to yeah. know your track record for surgery. Yeah. Right? But there are cases where it does seem relevant. I think anxiety is definitely one of
0: them. Yeah, no, for sure. Anx- anxiety. Mm-hmm. Also with fitness, too. I mean, how many people, yourself included, um, came through fitness uh, because you had experienced something, right? And you wanted to better yourself so you can relate.
1: Uh, um, yeah, and, I, and people have told me that that is largely a reason that they decided they wanted to work with me and I think that it's I think it's true because it can help you to empathize and sympathize right so since I was that the chubbiest of all my friends growing up and like I really did struggle with these things of Mm -hmm. of trying to get my my weight and you know and, and eating healthier and exercising like I I understand what it's like to be there so I think I can I can offer something of value there and I, again, I want to be careful about what I claim because I'm not saying that if somebody hasn't been there, they can't be a great coach and help people. That's right. obviously not true. But there's something that I gained from having gone through that experience that other people um, say that, that they really appreciate and that has been very helpful in our coaching relationship.
0: I'm glad to hear that. You know, so my, my background, I didn't grow up uh, morbidly really obese or, or, or overweight or chubby, but my, my entire family was, right? So mm-hmm. they were all just, well, disabled. My brother was mentally disabled, physically disabled. My sister had Mm -hmm. damage. Uh, Both my parents were disabled and overweight. And so growing up is like, I don't say the normal one, but like I can empathize like what that lifestyle was like for them. Yeah. Struggles. So, yeah, I mean, after my brother passed, I'm like, I I need to help people who want to be helped. And I don't want to, you know, come at the regular angle of fitness, nutrition. I'm going to, you know, put myself, I've been in their shoes next to them. So I
1: can yeah, yeah what a beautiful thing and you just you just have a perspective that is uniquely yours oh
0: thanks and
1: yeah. that's just a value you'll always be able to provide because of that experience mm-hmm. absolutely
0: mm-hmm. i think it really helps obviously it's helped you and it's helped the people you help which is really cool. I,
1: I hope so man i do i hope i hope people get stuff out of these these conversations and if nothing else you know maybe they get pointed in in a new and helpful direction you For know
0: sure. and you know i've got i've got like half a page of notes so far already. And I have the link for um, Dr. Claire weeks. So I'll definitely try people towards that.
1: You know, and I would say like this, like, even if you don't like, even if you don't have like full on like panic attacks or panic disorder or something like that, like read her book anyways. Cause it's just like, it, it's so useful as a human being <laughs> strategies, right? Cause chances are like, you probably have some degree of anxiety or stress in your life. Especially like right just, now. just right now. Yeah. And If that's the case, which seems like it would have to be for almost any human being alive, you're still going to benefit from reading work like hers and just get these techniques down. Like these are techniques that will just help you to be healthier in general, even if you aren't on like the extreme end of the anxiety spectrum.
0: Absolutely. You know, and it's kind of similar, you know, I've gone through a lot of grief myself and basically back to acceptance, you know, I've, I've lost everybody in my family and the first, my brother and my sister you know, it's so painful. It's hard for me to even go back to that that era of the of them being alive. And then mm-hmm. my brother, or my father, then my mother last year. And I was working with some good therapists, and they brought up this word, complicated grief. Basically, complicated grief—you're not going forward; you're just kind of going in a circle, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: we did some some hard work, some heavy work. We faced it, like you're saying, got got comfortable with it and and broke it down and now now it's not a issue hardly at all for me so I can yeah, pleasantly yeah. go back to the to those memories of doing fun things as kids and, and with my folks and all this great stuff like a huge weight was lifted but took some work took a lot of work a lot of patience like you said
1: yeah you know and it's it's one of those things well first off that's that's beautiful and i'm so happy to hear that and, and it's like people recognize that if we want to be healthy physically there's certain things that we, we can and should do and they mm-hmm. take effort but what about mental health? Right? <laughs> right. This is the most important. Like that seems hugely <laughs> important too, yeah. right? So, like, what are those things? And it seems like we're just now starting to get a lot more serious about that as as a culture, which is a good thing. Like, better it's, it's happening yes. than not than not at all. Mm-hmm. But it is just kind of funny to see how long it's been ignored, right? Uh-huh. Ah.
0: I'm glad more people are working on it too. There's a lot of lot of paths to do it, but it takes work, just like exercise, just like uh, learning a song on the piano or guitar, or Learning how to read or a new language—it takes work. There's no quick yeah. but it's worth it. Everything that's hard <laughs> and is worth doing; um, pays off.
1: Yeah, it's at least worth doing badly, right? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But it's like to your point, and a lot of times, and this is so true in, in fitness. And sometimes I have to if people want to work with me, and I'll do an initial assessment. I'll say, "Look, I, I think," and like I'll say it in the most charitable way that I can. But I think you, I think you need a psychologist, right? Mm-hmm not a personal trainer. And a lot of people, because they're just not aware of the resources that are available or, or they just haven't had, um, you know, somebody present the possibility to them that maybe they're trying to solve something with fitness. That isn't a fitness problem. See that. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, you see it a lot and and I see it a ton and it's like, look, I don't think adding, like getting rid of one more percent of body fat, is is really what you need right now it it just it just isn't and like i would love to help you i'd love to be your coach but to just be honest i i just don't think that that this is that this is what you need right and yeah i have to have those conversations fairly frequently Mm
0: -hmm. um and how do they go over for you i mean i I, it might help some new trainers out there but how do you approach that
1: well i you know i always try to you know, because to me i think we have a dual moral obligation right we have a moral obligation to tell the truth mm-hmm. right and to try to get it right but we also have a moral obligation to be respectful to people mm-hmm. um and that's that's the that and sometimes i think people can can forget one at the expense of the other and that's that's when like vice comes in right mm-hmm. so there's some people who just think i don't care how mean i am when i say it um or if I even had to make fun of somebody, I'm just going to say what's true, and there's something definitely wrong about that. Like that's that's bad for you because then you're just becoming a cruel person, right? That's kind of how morality works, right? The whole point of morality is to, to understand what human nature is and how to flourish as a human being, and and cruelty is a vice, right? That's something that's missing from us that should be there, like compassion, like willing the good of other people. So that's not right. But the opposite isn't right either, where you just kind of say a bunch of pretty flowery things to people to avoid telling them what they need to hear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between nice and kind, right?
1: Or yeah. Or I would just say even between nice kind and loving, right? So loving mm-hmm. is willing the good of the other for the other because they deserve it. Cool. Um, and you know, most people think of their kids in this. like I would do anything for my kids just because I love them so much. And that is the nature of love, right? Willing the good of the other for other. And there's a saying called tough love, right? And all parents are familiar with this. Like sometimes you just, sometimes love means disciplining. It just does. And it can mean hard truths, but they should always be hard truths presented in the best way uh, that you can possibly do them. So that way you're fulfilling that dual obligation to make sure people are receiving of the respect and dignity they deserve as people, but also receiving of the truth that they deserve as people. Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. No. Uh, but look, virtue is not an easy thing to attain. <laughs> so why should we expect it to be easy? Vice is the easy thing, right? It's easy to either be mean or to not care about telling the truth. Those are the easy things that do. So that's the general way that I approach it. And then how that looks for every person is just, and sometimes it doesn't go over well, <laughs> if I'm being honest, yeah. but, but I'll tell you what, I had a client or a, a potential client that I said this to, and I said, we can't work together. Cause I just, I just don't think this. And I didn't get the nicest email in response. I'll be honest, even though I think I did the best job. But then, about two months later, I get an email of incredible gratitude, saying, "Sorry, I was I was totally a word that's inappropriate for a podcast, uh, but I went and I saw a psychologist, and you were absolutely right."
0: Oh, that's and
1: scary. and that, of course, made my made my my made my year. And I'm like, "Don't worry about it; it's totally cool." And yeah. hey, maybe we can work together in, in the future sometime. So that that was an example where it definitely wasn't initially well, well received. I, and yeah, I thought like, okay, maybe I could have phrased things better or differently, but I thought I did a generally decent job of, of trying to to do what I thought needed to be done. But yeah, the initial response was pretty terrible, but then later on, it was, it was really actually quite worth it.
0: That's so cool to hear that. And I'm sure, you know, anybody getting feedback they didn't anticipate get re- reactive, you know, Sure. But it, yeah. It's- well, I
1: mean, there's, there's a form of rejection there and nobody likes that. Right. No. And, and most people are really surprised, like, like almost like, how dare you? I'm offering to pay you money and you're saying no. Right. Right. And uh, like, yeah, but you know, like as a business, it's not smart to just accept anybody willy nilly as a client, because if, if they legitimately have a problem you can't solve and they think you're going to solve that problem, they're going to be disappointed. And they're gonna be dissatisfied with your services. And I would argue in the long run, that's, that's actually gonna do more harm than good because you're, you're just inevitably not going to be able to give that person the value they need in their life. And that might just mean them leaving a bad review or, or asking for their money back. So I think even just from a practical standpoint, you shouldn't just accept anybody.
0: That's really good to hear. I mean, honestly, that, that took me a while to figure that one out. The first few years of my business, I took anybody and everybody. Cause I really want to help everybody, but also I didn't realize the emotional vampires and like the energy vampires are out there and also, right. and I couldn't help them like you're saying. And so now I, I interview, if I do work with somebody, I interview them and vice versa to make sure it's a good fit in the services. Yeah. Connect. Um, because it is an investment on both people's time and resources.
1: Yep. And that's exactly what I do too. We have the initial discovery calls and at the very least, you know, just helping to set those expectations and saying, Hey, Hey, look, here's what I think you really need. Mm-hmm. And this is my honest assessment. Now, if you still want to work together, okay, but we just need to be very clear about what I can address and what I can't address. And if they're willing to accept that, then maybe there's still a possibility there. Um, again, it's just, it's just a sort of case by case thing, but you just need to, to, expectations are key for business owners.
0: Yes, it is. And relationships in general. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, a source of stress for a lot of people is uh, unmet expectations or unrealistic
1: expectations. That's right. They say all disappointment arises from unrealistic expectations. There's certainly, a lot of truth to that.
0: Oh yeah, on a lot of levels. Oh, uh, uh, this is always so fun to talk with you, Pat. I love this. This is such good conversations.
1: Yeah, no, and always a joy. I mean it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, pleasure is all mine. A um, uh, last question for you. Um, what are you working on music wise right now?
1: Oh yeah. So I was back on the piano again. We actually had a piano injury in my house the other day. Can you believe that? How does that work? Yeah. Right. How does that work? (laughs) So my son was doing a piano lesson and, uh, the stand collapsed and it fell on his foot. Um, yeah, we thought it was broken at first and we're like, oh gosh, now we need to like go out and like, you know, go to the urgent care and there's this virus going on, but like, it looks really bad. So we need to, we need to do this. Fortunately, the urgent care was completely empty and they're like, we had like nothing going on here. Uh, so that was, that was good. Uh, and also fortunately it wasn't broken. Just, just pretty. mangled ah. up. <laughs> it's funny now of course, yeah. but like it was, uh, and like he's, and like kids heal so quickly. Like his, like, it was like, there was this huge dent in it and it was like bleeding and it was the keyboard that like just fell and his foot got caught in the stand. It was, it was pretty gross, honestly. And, um, But now it looks like perfect. It's like, what kind of like mutant gene, Wolverine gene, do you have as a child that you just like? I would be glimping around for months after something like that (laughs) happened to me. Relatable. Um, Yeah. So music-wise, been been back uh, trying to crank up more because I always try and uh, 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 you know allocate certain amount of time to either guitar or piano, Mm -hmm. and I'm just about to switch back to uh, more time on the guitar again. And I've got about, I don't know, I probably got about five or six tracks on the hard drive right now that I just need to, it goes back to the beginning of this conversation, I need to just hit freaking publish on these things, honestly. yeah, They're they're at the point where it's like, and actually you probably heard a few of them because I think I put a few on on just some of my recent YouTube videos, but I haven't put them on like my SoundCloud yet or anything like that. Um, and I've got two or three more ideas that I want to start building out. Um... And this is this is something for me that has no strategic endpoint. It's just pure creative outlet. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on stuff. I'm practicing things. Um, just learning some new tunes. I've been revisiting some old Megadeth, which is fun again.
0: Really nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I told you last time I, I've tackled the old Tornado of Souls. So that's that's a video on my Facebook page. If anyone wants to see me taking a shot at that solo. Um, yes. Yeah, pull it up, dude. Yeah. Uh, for sure, Pat. Just put look at my videos. You'll see me with the old guitar there uh, playing that. Uh, if anyone's interested, they can, they can, they can see, see my attempt. So I put, that was one of those things where I was such a Megadeth fan in high school. I learned so many of their tunes, but I, I kind of left them in high school. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to go back oh, to some Megadeth and, and do that. So that, that was, that was a good exercise. Um, and whenever you learn something like that, especially a, a song that is as awesome as Tornado of Souls, it just, it influences your own creativity. So that's, that's always, valuable um sure. so yeah just been working with 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 Marty Friedman and Megadeth again of just like my my exercises musically because he's such a brilliant technical musician he's so melodic yet he's yeah. just so competent it's just like everything that you wish you could be but <laughs> no you never will be <laughs> That's so true. um and then yeah I just just finishing off these tracks that I've been I've been cooking up so I won't bore people too long with the details there but I do have If you want to sample, probably my YouTube channel. Because if nothing else, if you go to my YouTube channel, listen to my tunes, you'll at least get a decent workout out of it, even if you hate the song. Right. So your chances of it being an absolute loss are pretty low. Right. And maybe you'll like the the music too. Who knows?
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And how fun to be able to create the music for the video you're creating to help people. And they don't know it, but they're getting an audio benefit too.
1: Yeah, my favorite thing of all time, it hasn't happened as quite frequently as I would love, is when somebody asks for the song. And I'm like, oh, I will tell you. Yeah. You want to know? <laughs> you want to get my that. attention? I can't obviously answer all the comments that come on, on YouTube, but if you wanted to get my attention, insider secret, just uh, ask something like that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: That's beautiful. I love it.
0: Oh, always oh, so much fun, Pat. Well, I'll let you get back to your busy stuff and uh, learning some stuff on the, the guitar. And I, I'm pulling up on your Facebook, so I'll share that as well, so people can see you uh, kicking butt. Cool, man. Yeah, much love to you and your family. And
1: likewise, my friend. Mm-hmm. Always a pleasure.
0: Pleasure's been all mine. I'll chat with you soon.